Lauren Eady was not in a good place. All the mothers in the house can relate uh, to that. We have the arrival of Ella Marlene Eady. She was born last Sunday, 8 pounds 13. That's one large amount of baby that just arrived last Sunday. Um, so we're growing. It's a great way to improve the stats of your church the, when the babes uh, are coming along. So uh, that's awesome for all you young married. You know, let's keep that momentum going. Um, that's on behalf of all the grandparents uh, that are in the house and ready and waiting. Um, so that'd be good. You know, it's funny, this week Kiara came to me and she said, Hey, Dad, there's a guy in my grade, his, his name's Lachlan. He told everybody he goes to church. I can marry him, yeah? <laughs> I said, What's he, where does he live? Let's, we'll meet this young man first and we'll decide whether or not I feel that it's appropriate for us to head that way. Does he come from a good home? I don't know. He just goes to church. It's a good start. So we're, we're working on it. So we'll see how that goes. Just got one announcement that I wanted to share with you guys uh, that wasn't mentioned this morning by Chris. He did a great job. His first time chairing a meeting. I was real proud of him. So just get up there and relax and be yourself. Um, you know, our church is not very, you know, noisy yet, but they're great smilers. Everyone loves to smile. You know, in our church, when you get an amen, it's just, a, it's like a killer nod. It's like, yeah. Oh, you're on. I'm on. And uh, there's a guy coming that you have to laugh for because he's a comedian. His name is Mark Ritchie. Um, we, we've got a few um, comedy nights coming up. It's going to be fantastic. One on the 7th of September, one on the 14th. Uh, what I'd love you guys to do is to go and buy a ticket. They're $5. They'll be available in the foyer. And then buy a second ticket and bring somebody who might not normally come to traditional church. Because uh, what Mark's going to do is he's going to have a conversation about God, but he's going to do it in a non-intrusive way and in a way that I think will make people feel very uncomfortable and yet we'll get an opportunity to share the gospel with them. So that, that'll be available to you guys. I really want to encourage you uh, to buy some tickets and it'll be a fun night. Uh, it, it'll be worth coming to. And who, I know this church loves to laugh. I know I love to laugh. So uh, I want to encourage you guys to get out and uh, uh, be on those nights, which would be good. This morning, I want to talk to you uh, about assuming it's your time. I had an experience last week where um, I, uh, because of uh, the fact that I'm in the bridal party would be the real reason that we went paintballing. Now, who knows? I am not a guy that endures pain well. If you don't know that, trust me, uh, I do not endure pain well. Now, now, who knows? Who's ever been paintballing? Give me a quick wave if you ever. It really hurts. It really, really hurts. And we arrived there at 8.15 in the morning and for some reason I managed to talk myself into all the things that can go wrong for me. You know, I was petrified I was going to get hit in a vital part like the neck or, or the eye or the other areas that you're concerned about as a male. And we arrived there and I'm like, this is horrible. This is not good for me. It's really cold. And you know when it's really cold, things hurt more. And I'm like, this isn't good. I was literally contemplating saying, hey, I know we've booked it in, so I'm willing to pay, but I just want to sit in the car. I just want to sit in the car. What was worse is another group ha had rocked up, so they were a little bit undermanned. So we had to wait an extended period of time uh, while they got ready, which made it worse because I'm like, I started thinking worse. Oh, I'm going to step in a pothole. I'm going to break my ankle. I'm going to get hit right on the tip of the finger. You know, all these things started going through. Now, it was really cold. So I'm shivering. And everyone's like, it's so cold. Hey, I was just scared. 
I was really scared. But anyway, it made it worse because then what do they do is they then start to load you up with protection. You know, they have to have PPE, personal uh, protective equipment for their insurance thing. Now, at the start, I was like, give me whatever you can. So I'm like, I took the glasses, I took the helmet, I, I took the neck guard. I'm like, how come the girls get to have the chest cover? I want the chest cover too. And anyway, all of a sudden, I wanted all of this, this equipment to protect me. And then, as typical to my mentality, all of a sudden, I'm like, why do I need all this equipment? What are we really going into? So I get down there, and everybody gets to load a few bullets to make sure their gun's working. My gun, the only gun not working. So at that point, you do what you need to do. So you begin to try and create alliances. Hey, let's stick together. So I thought, you know what, Gene Herod, you know, he loves me. Um, I go, hey, Gene, let's stick together. I'm not sticking with you. You're going to get me shot. All right, okay, great. So I'm like, that's cool. I never want to talk to you again. So I did what I needed to do and I played the pastor card. I'm like, hey, Dan, hey, man, you know, you're a good guy. You're doing real well. Do you want to stick together? So he says to me, yeah, we'll stick together. I'm like, beautiful. You know, two are always better than one. You know, technically when you need a human shield, you know, you can work with what you need to do. So as the game was about to start, he ran off. So as he was running from me, I shot him right in the bum. And then something came over me. So I shot him in the bum again. And uh, probably about 10 times. It was the best part of the day for me. I'm like, run off on me. But something came over me. All of a sudden, I realized it was my time. It was my time. You should have seen me. They reckon I turned into Rambo or Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was calling commands. I was telling people to run. I was rolling. I was doing all these things. And it was all good until I got shot. (laughs) And it really hurt. And then I went back into my shell. And then I shot Dan again. And all of a sudden, I came out of myself again. And by the end of the day, I had had an extremely good time. Uh, I'd had a heap of fun. But what had happened is I hadn't let the situation overwhelm me. In the past, I may have, but I actually had fun. I actually took a hold of the moment. I remember in the past, I've been go-karting where everyone's been hammering around. I've been in the left lane just staying slow. I didn't really enjoy it that much because I didn't take a hold of the moment. This morning, I want to talk to you guys about taking a hold of your moments. Do you know, in life, there are going to be times when you are going to be presented with opportunities, with circumstances where you're faced with a choice. Will you take a hold of what is presented in front of you or will you uh, miss out on what God could potentially do? So I want to use the book of Esther this morning. I find that a person taking a hold of an opportunity, it's a uh, well-preached portion of Scripture. If you guys want to turn to chapter 4, I want to give you a little bit of a breakdown uh, just to give you some context about uh, the book of Esther. So the book of Esther, uh, what I really like about its genre is it's a narrative history. So what what that means is it means that the, the book of Esther is written like a novel. It's written in a a story way so that as you read it, you read it as a story. It's still true history, but it's written in the form of a book, which I find it incredibly interesting uh, to read that way. I also know that if this was a modern day book, it it would sell out there. There's everything going on. There's deception. There's love. There's war. There's people at risk. It's incredible. It's written about 470 BC. Um, There's a few things going on. The main character is Esther, but there are a few other people at play. There's a guy named Mordecai who is Esther's guardian, and he's actually her cousin. Now, Esther is an orphan. 
So Mordecai has to, uh, he raises her and, and he looks out after her. And um, uh, they, they don't know who wrote the book of Esther, but a lot of scholars believe that Mordecai was the guy uh, that wrote it. There's also uh, the king uh, of Persia, uh, and there's another guy named Haman who are, who are the main players uh, in this story. So in chapter 1 and 2 of Esther, what happens is King uh, Xerxes uh, has a wife and he calls her out and she completely dishonors him and doesn't come. So uh, bringing a long story short, he gets rid of her and he picks a new wife. Now, what's very interesting about it is that uh, this is a Persian uh, empire and he's selected, not that he knows because Esther keep, has kept it hidden, uh, a Jewish woman to be his queen. Um, so she's uh, the most unlikely person uh, to take a hold of a, a position and become a queen in an empire she really never should have been queen in. But she ends up uh, the queen uh, because of that situation. Uh, so that's uh, one and two. In three and four, uh, you read about Mordecai and another man named Haman. Now, Haman is uh, a guy that, that's full of pride. He's one of the king's officials. He's been uh, risen up to a, a stature that's in the top few in, in the whole kingdom. And he decides he wants everybody to bow to him as he walks around. Uh, and uh, obviously, Mordecai is a Jew. Uh, now, there, there are a few uh, backgrounds to it. One uh, conspiracy is that because he was a Malachite, um, uh, and that was an ancient enemy of the Jews, that he just wouldn't bow. But, but most people believe, and I believe, he would not bow to Haman because he would not bow to anyone but God because he was in relationship with God. As you learn about his character later on in this book, he is a man of faith. So I believe he didn't want to bow to Haman because he would not bow to anyone. So what happens is Haman becomes insulted and enraged because of his pride. So he goes to the king and he says, hey, I'm going to give a large amount of money into the treasury if we can kill all the Jews. So the king sends out a decree and all the Jews are going to be killed. And then Mordecai finds out about it and he sends for Esther one of the most famous portions of Scripture. And he says to Esther, you need to go to the king and you need to ask for help. But Esther says, you can't go to the king unless you are invited. If you show up unannounced, you can be killed. But he says, you need to go. And he says, for such a time as this, you may have become the queen. He's saying, because of this very moment is why God allowed you to become the queen. So they fast for a period of time. And then she approaches the queen. Then in, in chapters uh, 6, sort of through to 10, it's then the outwitting where uh, she, she goes and outwits Haman and eventually uh, gets uh, uh, the Jews uh, out of the decree and Haman ends up hanged and, and a whole bunch of things go down that end up bringing honour and glory to God. Now, what's cool about the book of Esther is this is the underlying theme the whole way through, that God is sovereignly in control of every situation in your life. In every situation, no matter where you are placed in this world, God is sovereignly in control over your world. What's very interesting is that it's been a period of time where, where the Jews have been exiled for 70 years and now they've been released to go back home. But yet some Jews that stay behind in Persia are the ones that have their life at risk. But yet God saves them because no matter where you are positioned, God still has His eye on your life. God is in control. God is setting up opportunities for you to walk by faith, to have a great impact in your world if you're ready and you're willing to take a hold of them. For such a time as this, God has positioned you. 
So my aim this morning is very simple. I want you guys to, to take a hold of the fact that the moments in life that challenge you the most are often the moments that God is setting up for you to bring in the greatest amount of glory. And that you need to believe that God is positioning you for great impact in your community. So let's read Esther chapter 4 together. I love reading the Bible. I used to shy away from it and a very wise person at this church said never do it. So let's read the Bible together. Esther 4 verse 1 says, When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes and put on burlap and ashes and went out into the city crying with a loud, bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as the news of the king's decree reached all of the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept and wailed and many of them lay in burlap and ashes. When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace his burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent Hathik, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. So Hathik went to Mordecai in the square in the front of the palace gates. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hathik a copy of the decree issued in Sasha that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hathik to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hathik to direct her to go to the king and beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hathik returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hathik, go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces known that anyone who appears before the king in the inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds his gold scepter, holds out. And the king has not called me to him for 30 days. So Hathik gave Esther's message to Mordecai and Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Do not think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together with all the Jews in Sasha and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything Esther had asked. Lord God, I just pray this morning right now that you'll speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Little side point that, that I love is that Mordecai is, is pushing at Esther. You gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do it, you gotta go. But yet it's funny how as soon as she engages in faith, she then says to Mordecai, now you go and do this. Now here's a, a thing that I believe is for someone, it wasn't part of my sermon, is your authority will increase as you step out in faith. Your authority will increase. So this is my first point this morning. There is no victory without a fight. 
It says this, that when the news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept and wailed, and many of them lay in burlap and ashes. If hard times push you closer to God, they're good for you. If you live your life and you're never challenged in any way, shape or form, then then you are not needing to use faith. There are moments in your life where you need to step out in order to engage faith in your world. God wants you to engage faith. I think it's a powerful moment in the life of every Christian when you get a revelation of Philippians 4.13 for your life. Because this is what Paul says. He says, through Christ, I can do all things because he gives me strength. There is no victory without a fight. But you have to remember that who you fight for, who fights for you and who fights with you, it's Jesus. And that he can strengthen you through any situation. You know, the example in my life uh, that I often reflect upon was two and a half to three years ago when we first had Hope Tour. And I ended up in my first interview with the very first school that got on board. I remember sitting there, I went into the wellbeing manager coordinator's office and I sat down and I'm not a guy that gets nervous, but all the saliva left my mouth and I got really sweaty palms and I, 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 halfway through the meeting, I'm like, she thinks I've had a stroke. I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, so it's going to be really, really good. And, and, and what was worse is it was another youth pastor from another church that had got me the appointment. And she's looking at me like, this guy is making me look like a goose. And I remember sitting there and in that moment within myself, I realized one, I was in a battle and two, I couldn't do it without Jesus. So within myself, I prayed. I said, God, you need to help me here. You need to give me the words. You need to go before me because I'm in a battle right now and I am not winning and I need you to intervene. You know, in that moment, I felt a supernatural courage come over my life. I realized that actually I was meant to be there for that very day, for that very moment. So in faith, I took a hold of it and I began to share. She was the lady that ended up being our reference on the first video to all other public schools. She was the lady who went really well at that school because I had engaged faith. I had realized that I couldn't do it without Christ, but I also realized that there is no victory without a battle. There's going to be many things in your life that you are going to have to battle as we walk our journeys with Jesus. But you need to remember you don't do it alone and you need to remember that we're fighting to bring honour and glory to God. And what I love about it is once again, the Jews in the book of Esther were about to realise that God was in control. God continued to fight for them. But we need to engage faith. God will always bring victory into your situation when He knows that He is in line for the honour and the glory. Your definition of victory might change what that looks like, but his glory will never be challenged. In 1 John 5, 4 and 5, this is what it says, for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world 
Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Faith in God, faith in Christ is the determining factor to your victory. Nothing else. So remember that without a fight, there can be no victory. But know there has already been a fight. And Jesus has already won the battle for you through his death on the cross and his resurrection, which means that you are fighting a battle that's already won. You just need to take a hold of the situation in faith. It's your time. There are gonna be opportunities this week that walk into your world out of nowhere that God has positioned you for. It's your time. The battle has already been won. You just need to take a hold of it in faith for your own life and let the victory and the honour and the glory come to our King of Kings. Amen? What is required is, this is my second point, is never the easiest or what is expected. The things that stretch you are never going to be the things that are certain or what comes to you with ease. In order to win or to move forward, you need to stand in courage and face uncertainty. And in our text in verse 8, you actually see that. This is what Mordecai is saying to Esther. He says, direct her to go to the king and beg for mercy and plead for her people. Now, going to the king would be easy for a queen if the king was fully accessible but he's not. You have to be summoned by the king or risk your life in order to get an appointment. And this is the reply that she gives to Mordecai. Everybody knows that if anyone appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his golden scepter. And he has not called me for 30 days. So she doesn't know if she's in favour or out of favour. She doesn't know what's going on, but she's facing a situation and this is what's happening. She's stepping out in courage because we know that she goes on to do it. She's challenging or changing the processes that have always been done. And she's doing it in faith that God will do a miracle. Very interesting, if you are seeking breakthrough in a situation or in a battle for your life that you need to take a hold of, are you still doing what's always been done and still getting the same result? What is done is that you don't approach the king. But in faith, she is stepping out of that, believing that God will bring breakthrough. So the question I ponder as I prepared this this week, and I think you guys can ask yourself this, is, is what levels of faith Am I willing to go to for my family, my loved ones, even the people in my community? Am I willing to step out in courage and take a risk to see people other than myself in a better place? She risked her life. She said, if I die, I die, but I'm going anyway. In the hope that people around her in her community could live and could survive. Are you willing to risk the way people think about you, your relationships, your reputation. Well, Esther said, I will go to see the king and if I die, I die. Willing to give it all to protect her people. I think the challenge to me is, would I be willing to give up my life in the hope 
that others would be saved by God's grace? I can say the answer would be yes. But it's a good question to ask yourself. Doing what is right is never easy. Things cause, the things that give you the greatest benefit often take the greatest amount of work. An analogy that I could think of was a few years ago, I started running with Chris, the guy that chaired this morning, the man that is never out of breath. Never out of breath. I quickly realized after running with him that I needed to increase my aerobic capacity. So what aerobic capacity is, just real quick, is, is you take a maximum heart rate of 220 and you minus your age. So in my world, 220 minus 30, 190 is my maximum target heart rate. So then what you want to do to increase your aerobic capacity is you have to run between 70 and 85% of your maximum heart rate. So what that means for me is between the, the 130 to the 170 mark, I need to run and function at for a period of time to increase my aerobic capacity. Now here's the problem with that. Running between 130 and 170 beats a minute is actually hard work. I'm out of breath. It hurts. Everything within me says, sit on the couch. It's not worth it. You'll be fine. But if I desire to have an increased level of capacity aerobically in my life, I need to put in the work. I need to go through the uncomfortable times in order to see that capacity expanded in my life. Sometimes when you're facing situations that require faith, such as Esther at this point in time, it's actually God increasing your spiritual capacity, your faith capacity, because you have to run. We're like, oh, I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. I'm running at a level where I'm uncomfortable. I'm in faith so that God can begin to stretch you and begin to build into you because I can tell you from testimony in my life, the things that used to stress me out when I was a younger man don't stress me out anymore because God has kept me in that aerobic zone that I'm able to build things into my life. He creates those opportunities to build you as an individual. But the question is, are you going to take a hold of that moment and run and feel the uncomfortable? Or are you going to be the person that goes, it's easier to sit on the couch? It's very interesting that when you see Mordecai addressing Esther, in faith he, he is saying, do you know that God will bring salvation for the Jews if you do nothing? But you and your parent, your family will perish. But who knows for such a time as this? Very interesting. He says to Esther, if you avoid the hard call, eventually it will catch up with you. Don't avoid the hard calls. Take a hold of them in faith. For Esther, it's better to die trying than to do nothing. You need to try. You need to take a hold of the moments that come to you. Allow God to build into you, increase your capacity. Because God, at the end of the day, is sovereign. He's sovereign. He's in control. So as I was reading this this week and I was reading how God is so sovereign, it's the underlying theme, I thought to myself, well, if God is so sovereign, why does He use people? And I felt the Holy Spirit instantly reply to me, because He wants to. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to have you step out in faith to bring Him honour and glory. What He's looking for is a person that is ready and willing 
He'll position you. He's given you the victory. He's looking to see whether your heart is ready and willing to take a hold of the moment for such a time as this, for your life. He's positioning you to bring Him glory, but take a hold of it. Take a hold of it. This morning, as you go out from this service and walk through life next week, I want you to assume it's your time. Assume it's your moment. In verse 14, it says, If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from another place. But if you and your relatives will die, Dan, if you want to come up, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. For such a time as this. You know what, actually, I want the whole music team to come. Esther was raised as an orphan. Became queen in a society that she never, ever should have been queen in. Positioned in a, in a, in a place of influence so that she could take a hold of a moment that God had set up from her very birth for her to have for such a time as this. I read a story this week about a guy named Wesley Autry. Wesley's 50-year-old guy deciding to take his six-year-old daughter and his four-year-old daughter out for a day. He's at the train station and as he's at the train station, he sees a little bit of a commotion because a young man by the name of Cameron is having an epileptic fit. Looks over and sees the man shaking and, and uh, some women gathered around him and eventually he calms down and, and he comes to and they stand him up. But as they stand him up, he has another seizure and he falls onto the tracks. Wesley sees him fall onto the tracks, sees his two girls, but he sees trains coming from both directions. He's there positioned in a moment. Heroically, he jumps down onto the track. He can't move the guy, so he lays on top of him and they begin to roll together till he gets in between the two trains. Both trains collide as they're breaking over them. And they go past and there's a screech to a halt. About five or six carriages go past and there is silence. Do you know what breaks the silence? Is the crying of his two daughters. At the moment that that crying was heard, you hear Wesley cry out, tell my daughters we're okay and that dad will be back to you in a minute. The train had come so close to hitting them, they were covered with grease and mess and it was all over their, their clothes. And, and eventually after 20 minutes of being stuck under these two trains, they, they get them out and he goes straight to his daughters. And this is what it says in the article that I absolutely love. It says, Wesley was very humble about the incident and didn't see himself as a hero at all. To him, his actions seemed perfectly natural and not anything to make a big fuss about. When his moment came, he didn't hesitate to act for such a time as this. He took a hold of his opportunity 
to help someone else. God in your life is going to set up circumstances and opportunities that are divinely appointed for you to have great impact. Do you know, there'll be a person on a train track in life that it might not necessarily be a physical train, but it might be an emotional train wreck coming, a financial one. And you stand there looking in and have an opportunity to take a hold of it, to have an influence. But God is already giving you the victory. He just needs to know if you're ready and willing. He will set up divine appointments. A few years ago, my parents went to church, my in-laws, John and Joe. And they were sitting at a cafe in their Sunday best back in the day. People really dressed up for church. That's cool. Still do, mum. That's good. You look beautiful. And um, they were sitting there and a lady comes up to them and says, why are you so dressed up? And they say, we've been at church. The lady cries and runs away just cries, runs away. Eventually, uh, they find out through communication that she's an alcoholic and her husband has left her. He's just left her. She's broken. She's hurting. They give her their number and they say, if you need anything, call me. First of all, that's a massive thing to do. But second of all, what happens if they call you on a Wednesday during the week at midnight, drunk as and crying? A moment. Are we going to go or are we going to stay? Are we going to take a hold of it or are we going to do something when it's more comfortable for us? Well, they went there at midnight. Joe cancelled and dad cleaned. It's what he does, he cleans. Then they didn't see her after that. And three months later, they ran into her in a supermarket and she was doing really well. Now, now, the point of this is God had set up a divine appointment. They may not have seen the fruit, but I know that God knows they're ready and willing. Are you ready and willing for such a time as this that God will present an opportunity for you to take a hold of what God has for you, what He's given you the victory for, so that you can step out in faith, see breakthrough in lives and bring God glory. I pray that you would take a hold of every moment. I pray that I would take a hold of every moment. In Jeremiah 29, 11, It's Jeremiah addressing all of Israel. And they're going through hard times. They're going through stuff. And he he says to them, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. God has your future determined as His people to see you prosper, to see you move forward. But here's the thing, there are people out there not walking with God yet, but they will be. And God might be requiring you to reach out to them so that they can walk in victory too. Because His plans for them are to see them prosper and have a future. He's looking for His people to be ready and willing because He wants to use you. For such a time as this, He wants to use you. We have to take hold of it. So what I want to do this morning, if we can bring the lights down. We're going to sing this song. The musos get ready. I don't want to prompt you to do anything this morning that you don't want to do. But what I feel in my heart is that sometimes you need to move in the physical before it will affect the spiritual. You see, this morning, As they sing this song, 
you believe in your heart today, you want to say to God, God, I am ready and I'm willing to be used. And if an opportunity presents itself in faith, I will reach out, I will love, I will encourage, I will pray for, I, I will get involved because you are calling me to. If you're ready and willing, I want you to stand this morning as they sing this song. I want you to physically stand up and say, I stand up today with other people around me that see me stand, saying and declaring that God, I will make a stand for you. I will take a hold of my moment as you use me and as you position me for your glory. So once we sang this song for a moment, I'll pray for such a time as this. Take a hold of your moment. Thank you, Jackie. Are you hurting or broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is calling. Why don't you raise your hands in this place? Let's worship God. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. there's a few people in this place that are actually battling discouragement of opportunities missed. You feel that in the past you've let something go and you've missed an opportunity. Do you know what I want to let you know this morning that God is in control? That, that that is not over because God is sovereign and He is in control, but yet you battle with discouragement about it. If you need prayer this morning, I want you to come down the front. The altar is open. I'd love to pray with you as we worship together. Leave behind all your fears and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born, Jesus is calling home. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. moment, oh what a saviour. Just declare it to God that you will stand for Him. Hallelujah.
Open the floor. 